0: All right, Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Debbie Talk podcast with episode number four. I'm your host, Andrew Woodruff, joined by my fellow scout, Chance Hopkins, as we jump back into the world of Debbie. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest college news, some potential Debbie strategies now that it is officially startup season, and we're going to continue our own Debbie mock. All right, welcome back to the Debbie Talk with Chance Hopkins and I, the Debbie side of the fantasy scouts. Where you can check out all our great content over at Patreon.com backslash Fantasy Scouts. Uh, we just went and recently redid our website FFballallday.com. If you want to chance, so check out some of the Debbie articles that me and Chance are already putting out there for the good people, and also just got a lot more. If you check out our Fantasy Scouts podcast, along with our database and everything else. Chance, how you doing tonight, man?
1: I'm good. How about yourself, Andrew?
0: Man, staying busy. Found out there's a lot more to archery. I didn't know yet, but it's been fun. <laughs> Even third out of a solid three schools recently. So, you know, seventh graders, we're learning.
1: Yeah, that's all that matters. It's the learning curve.
0: Oh yeah. Having fun, man. Dude, it is finally good to be back. That's a, it's been a second since we've been on.
1: Yeah, it has. Feels like forever.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I know we've got five different things wrote down for current college news. Why don't you go ahead and you start it off. What do you want to talk about first for us?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the most intriguing was one of the things that I added. So I, I don't know if anyone is familiar with the XFL and their agreement with the NFL now, but it's sort of like a Petri dish for the NFL to kind of help hire coaches at the NFL level that who weren't previously at the NFL level. Uh, but it kind of sparked something to me that I think could be a real possibility in the future. And that is so, you know, with the uh, addition of the um, I'm trying to blank, but the endorsements for college players, you know, could we see something kind of like the NBA G League or like a minor league for the NFL come to fruition and how that would impact Debbie and college football? Because now instead, if, if we have like a G League or if we have the um, uh, the USFL, which just did their we uh, started draft today, if they kind of became the G League for NFL with the new G League. If you're familiar with the G League, Andrew, then I'm going to sound a little redundant here, or if anyone is familiar with it, but the NBA G League and how college works now is you can forego college and just go right into the G League, if I'm not mistaken, and start playing at the G League level. So, I mean, with the new XFL and then the USFL kind of gaining a lot of traction, is that something that you could see, you know, maybe coming to fruition here in the next few years, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to NIL deals, we know it's only going to be the top guys getting it for those going to college. Uh, not every school is going to be able to offer each athlete a major deal. So, I mean, yeah, if, I'll say if this works out right, XFL could ins- eventually become a place where you put up as a freshman and then you immediately go, okay, I'm done with this. Let me go get paid a little bit more at the XFL, put two good years of tape there, and go ahead and get drafted. I mean, the rule for NFL is just you've got to be three years out of high school. So it's whatever way they want to do it. That's definitely a consideration I hadn't thought about before today. You know, to kind of
1: bounce off that, because what you said is, you know, as a freshman, you know, you have a good year or whatever, and then you want to make more money. But then you also mentioned uh, before that the NIL deals and not everyone is going to get offered them. Mm -hmm. So that could also be a reason as to why we see maybe some, Fresh out of high school, you know, would be a freshman at college. They forego college and go right to the XFL or the USFL, or however they decide to end up doing it. If they, if this is something that happens, we could see a lot of that as well. Yeah. Now the yeah. the question is, would we add those players at, as part of college players to W?
0: I would think you have to, just considering they're not high school players, but they're technically not NFL players as well. I think this will be a good experiment over the next couple years. If they eventually start pulling those college players, like where do you rate them compared to, let's say, Will Shipley right now at Clemson? Like, How do you compare um, maybe a, I don't know, Kendall Milton who's gotten kind of buried at Georgia going over to the XFL, putting up a good year or two compared to that? I think it's a good scenario to start considering, but it's definitely one where if we see guys who are 19, 20, 21 – going over to that league, you still got to keep them on your Debbie radar.
1: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, the NFL is the only American, you know, professional league that doesn't have a G League of its own. You know, you got the minor leagues for baseball. You got the NBA G League for basketball. Uh, then I believe hockey has something uh, a little bit intertwined as well. So that way it's kind of like a prep for, you know, it, it seems to me like the way that I, I think the way that, uh, that MLB has done it is probably the perfect, that, that's something that I would hope the NFL would adopt just because you have these players who come out of college or, you know, we can just take that for example, they come out of college, they're not drafted uh, or they have a late round draft, you know, capital. We can see NFL teams, if they did draft them in the later rounds or they were undrafted, could sign them to a minor league team, watch them develop a year or two at, you know, a more competitive level while, rather than just a practice squad player. And so that way would be a good. That'd be a good way for them to gain experience as well.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something to consider. I hadn't thought about it like that either. Uh, if NFL teams could take advantage of that and just let their players grow, but we know it is a young man's game in the NFL. Most players, if I looked up correctly, and they only have a lifespan in the NFL about two years. So, like they're gonna have to show it quickly if that's the way they end up going.
1: Yeah, it, it could be like the major leagues, where you know. They show out for a few games. There's an injury that happens. They get pulled up to the active roster they play, and next thing you know, they're the next hot thing.
0: Yeah. I just, I just
1: think it's something to keep your eyes out on in the, over the next few years. You know, I mean, with the XFL and the NFL coming to a new agreement, that's really kind of getting their foot in the door for something like this to happen.
0: Yeah, they're definitely setting up well. Unfortunately, can't say the same for college football playoffs. So, I noticed you added that as well. Man, staying at four teams up until 2026 – that's rough to see.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I know the SSE commissioner, I forgot his name. Sorry, I had to reach out for something. I forgot his name. Um, but he said that they wouldn't support a bigger playoff and that there was discussion of, you know, the SEC or maybe another conference making their own kind of like super conference to where they have their own playoffs uh, if that happens at the end. Or if that ends up staying or not staying at four teams, but expanding. So then we could see two different playoffs. We can see the college football playoff. Then we can see, you know, one major conference playoff. And a scenario was, you know, you have the champion of like, let's say the SEC expands into a major conference. We can see the champion of that one playing the champion of the college football playoffs for like an overall champion.
0: Pretty much college version of the NFL. Man, that'd be something. I know uh, our good buddy, Matt, he's mentioned something like that before they're making a super conference getting all the big names together. I don't know if we'll end up seeing it, but I'm really hoping that they'll reconsider because, again, you bring more teams into the playoffs, you bring a bigger chance to bring revenue, which, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day we know that's all they care about, bringing more money to each of those conferences that get in, and especially with a group like the SEC. I mean, people complain about it all the time, but they always eventually find a way to get two or three teams in there. So I don't see why they wouldn't take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, and I I can see this kind of. However, this plays out, I can see it actually being beneficial for college players because if you do have a super conference, you're going to have those, you know, probably the stronger contenders who want to keep it at four teams. You can see them joining a super conference, and then you have all the major powerhouses playing in one conference, which means a bunch of these players are going to start only playing the tough competition.
0: You're going to stop seeing some of
1: these. Exactly. You're going to stop seeing some of these, you know. You know, Alabama versus North Texas probably wouldn't happen or versus, you know, Northern Alabama State Birmingham, just a random name. But, yeah, I mean, you see a lot better. You see these players play better competition right from the get go rather than having a lot of these prospects. You know, we kind of had the Zach Wilson last year where it's like, yeah, he had a great year, but who did he play? Who did you put mm-hmm. up numbers against? What were those numbers against, you know, those top 25, the top 15 teams? We'd see a lot less debate around those things Have if this happens.
0: Yeah, about to say, the risers, definitely we would be able to see it and be more confident in those because, like, like I was just saying, you've already l- l- elaborated on, I mean, if you're playing the best versus the best and you're putting up a Devontae Smith-type season against that kind of schedule, I mean, nobody's going to doubt it, whereas you're putting up a Zach Wilson-type season against, honestly, I can't really think of a lot of names besides Coastal Carolina, which I think was his loss and his worst game of the season. Yeah. So, it definitely would help separate the prospects going into the NFL, who stands out from who.
1: Yeah, I, I think another big thing in college news, as we kind of move away from that, touching base on really all the major points of it, is Jaden Daniels entering the transfer portal and the video that surfaced Man. regarding it.
0: Dude, his teammates let him have it. That and was,
1: I think that's more of a downfall, or not downfall, but that's, more, that's saying more about the program and the culture that Arizona State has in the football program right now than it really does Daniels himself.
0: Yeah, I meant to send you this before earlier, but if I looked it up correctly, I believe Arizona State was one of the top ten colleges with the most people departing Mm -hmm. through the transfer portal. I don't know what's going on with that culture over there, but, I mean, you hit it perfectly. There's something up with that school. and So I really don't blame Jaden Daniels from getting out of that environment.
1: Yeah, you know, it just kind of raises more questions, too. Like, has Hurt Edwards lost the program? Like, that video can't go unnoticed by the university by the you know ad or whoever's in charge of you know the coaching staff and stuff like that like that being serviced on the internet for everyone to see that's going to that raises questions nationwide so that's going to someone's going to have to do something about it and the person who's going to take the fall for that is probably going to be Hiram edwards
0: yeah i mean it's just locker room i'm about to say we've seen mississippi state fire their head coaches over not being able to control their players before i've seen that personally so like I wouldn't be surprised if this is him on the hot seat officially now going into the season because of what's going on during the offseason. But for Jay Daniels overall, have you heard any rumors of where he might possibly be looking or anything that would stand out to you as appealing?
1: Uh, I haven't honestly heard of anything about where he might transfer. Um, you know, as appealing, we, we've seen a lot of destinations get filled. So I can't even – off, off the top of my head, I can't even really begin to think where might be a good place for him to go.
0: Yeah, he did wait way late into the transfer portal season. I mean, even after recruitment or recruits officially announced where they were going. So it's kind of slim pickings, honestly. I couldn't really think of one myself that was standing out. But overall, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like when it comes to Debbie prospects, he's not it for me. I mean, if you don't know his size and stats, anything like that, he is six three, one eighty five.
1: Yeah, that one eighty
0: five is tiny.
1: Yeah, he's got to put up some weight. But I, I just found this tweet from Spencer Rattler's dad. Um, so it was, uh, it was yeah, it was a few days ago. So Matt Barry, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, profile picture. Looks like he's a sports center caster. He said, Rattler and his camp were asking for too much. ASU passed. Find me where I gave misinformation. I believe I said Spencer Rattler will not attend ASU. Was I wrong? And Michael Rattler, Spencer Rattler's dad, said, Matt, you have been lying about the situation the whole time. The ASU coaching staff contacted us when they thought Jaden was going to declare for the draft. When Jaden changed his mind, we advised them we were not interested. Simple as that. No need to manufacture drama.
0: Dang. So if, if, they weren't,
1: if they weren't interested, you know, no matter what the NIL deals were or whatever the price tag was, it seems like, you know, maybe Spencer Radler and Michael Radler and his family kind of knew the culture. They had experienced the culture at ASU, and they decided that that's not where they wanted to go.
0: I mean, yeah, it's definitely one way to test it, and then you see the loyalty your teammates got right there. I'd be ready just to say, Nah, I'm definitely out. I don't care about coming back. That's insane, though. What's going on? Goodness gracious. Well, a little bit more positive news. A guy that we've been talking about for a little bit, and I feel like we didn't hit on him, but former Michigan 38-year-old offensive coordinators going to the school that you're just seeming to become, like, a secondary fan of, it seems like, in college right now. Josh Gatta is getting hired at the Miami offensive coordinator position. I know you've done your research because you're a big Tyler Van Dyke fan. Any kind of positive build-up for this one? Does he seem like he's going to help your guy out?
1: You know, I, I have we haven't seen a lot of quarterback development for Michigan. We, we've seen kind of the opposite at Michigan over these last few years. You know they've gotten multiple prospects where it seemed like the Michigan fan base was super excited about uh, good prospects, and then they just nothing becomes of them. Um, obviously that could just be a head coaching thing that could be, um, that could definitely be something more along the lines of, uh, quarterback coach could be the offensive coordinator. Um, but you know, I, I don't think this will really, I don't think it'll really affect Van Dyke too much. Um, if it does, it's going to be a really big bummer because I I think it'll negatively impact him if it does make any like major impact.
0: Yeah. I'm about to say, it the mic from every time I've looked at Michigan, they were really a run focused team. So, I mean, this could really help out that backfield, just hoping, like, somebody can take the lead role. I would love for somebody to take the lead role. I just don't know who. But, I mean, if Van Dyke can honestly get better through the play action, I think this could still sit, situate him correctly to get ready for either the 2023 draft or the 2024 draft.
1: Yeah, I I think if, if anyone was to take control of it, it would probably be Citizen once he's in. Um, hopefully because that would raise his draft stock tremendously and we both already really like Citizen.
0: Yeah, I about to say, he's one of the 2025 guys that I'm all excited about when it comes to running backs. There's only about six or seven of them that I'm really just I'm in on. I want to see where they go. The rest I'm kind of out or just watching see some freshman production. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for the current college news. I think we already hit Caleb Williams last time USC. Again, I'm pumped about it. It's the right place for him. It's the right coach. So hopefully that continues going the right way. So next up for us, man, it's startup season. It is a lot of fun right now. People are talking about it on Twitter. They're talking about it in sleeper. They're talking about it in fan tracks, whatever websites you use, but it's, it's time for Debbie drafts. And I mean, when it comes to that, we've got to talk about the Debbie strategy right there. That's out and available right now. So, I've been texting you back and forth the past couple of weeks. I just recently did the only new startup league I was going to do for 2022. It was Devi. It's 12-team superflex. I had six-point passing touchdowns, half EPR, and a half-point tight end premium. Doing those drafts, man, it's kind of got me thinking about some adjustments I need to make to my rankings. And I figured we could just jump in, like, let's check out that mock. Or let's check out that draft, how it went. Did anybody surprise us in certain rounds? Was there any just values that we were like, man, that's that's it? That's a guy? So, I'll say, I'll let you take a second and pull it up.
1: Yeah, all I got it pulled up.
0: All right, perfect. So, round one, and I mean, I texted you this just freaking out. At the end of round one, I got Caleb Williams at 110, but at 112 went a quarterback that I was never expecting to be in the top four, let alone top five. So, Anthony Richardson at 112, dude. Where did the yeah. hype come from?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, that really kind of that, – that surprised me. There, there was a few quarterback picks who surprised me because, you know, I got – I have Van Dyke who we were just talking about at my quarterback five. Um, but seeing – yeah, I mean, seeing Anthony Richardson ahead of Quinn Ewers and Jackson Dart even – I have no idea where this hype came from. If this is kind of like a consensus hype in the Debbie, you know, universe, I he's a sell for me,
0: 100%. Oh, yeah. I can mean, get that kind of value. Let's yeah,
1: do it. Yeah, 100%. Um, on top of that, what kind of surprised me was Zach Evans ahead of Tank Bigsby and Braylon Allen.
0: I saw that. I was kind of confused by that, but, you know, they were so close together. I think it's just kind of after those top two guys for the 2023 running backs – I mean, you know me, I'm a Sean Tucker fan. There's a couple of guys who think Zach Evans is more versatile than Tank Bixby. And I think they're kind of scared of that whole Auburn situation with their head coach. And, oh, we're going to fire him. Uh, Never mind, we can't find any legal reason to actually fire him without having to pay him out. We're not paying him. So, I can kind of see it. I would still go Bixby. But, yeah, that was about the only other one that seemed surprising in that first round. Everybody else was exactly kind of what I expected.
1: Yeah, the first round other than those two picks went looking at it went how just about how I would have assumed it would go. Obviously Quinn Ewers probably at that one, yeah, definitely at that 112 if if quarterback were to be taken right there.
0: Yeah, and again, it would have made sense if he had kept the 201, but he did trade it out. I don't remember what he traded it out for. So Quinn Ewers at 201 sitting and going as quarterback 5, I get it. He's hyped. He hasn't really shown anything, but he's in a great situation, so I like it for the value. That's probably about the last quarterback that I felt like reaching on in this draft. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hesitant after those big three quarterbacks. Are you willing to draft early on the quarterbacks, even a superflex six point passing touchdowns or what is your strategy there?
1: I'm willing to reach on Dart and Van Dyke, um, but knowing I won't have to really reach on them. I wouldn't unless it was something where I was, you know, picking at the top of the second and I didn't have another pick until the back of the third, it's something I would do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after those big three and then, you know, or big four, really, um, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I'll say. So what I ended up doing was I prioritized quarterback in the NFL level. I went four good quarterbacks, but I ended up trading off Dak and Hurts for a package that included JT, uh, the Debbie 106, which I ended up trading back to get Caleb Williams and something else plus a bunch of other stuff with it. I, went, I felt really good about it, but I didn't want to reach on these quarterbacks because, I mean, I feel like everybody still remembers last year. Spencer Rattler, DJU, all these other quarterbacks that were drafted super early, and here we are a year later, and it just it looks way worse than what it used to be.
1: Yeah, that, that's the big thing about Debbie. It's a lot of it. 90% of it is dark throws. No matter how high you can be on somebody, it's a dart throw when it comes to the next level.
0: Oh, yeah. And I just, I feel like the hit rates were higher in running backs and receivers. So personally, I know for myself, what I did was I prioritized going running backs and receivers wherever the value made the best sense. Outside of the Caleb Williams pick or Caleb Williams pick, I just, Travion Henderson, I got him in the first. Williams right there toward the end of the first. I couldn't pass that up. My boy Sean Tucker, man, I can't tell you how nervous I was on the clock, but I saw him fall all the way to 210. Like I said, that RB3 through 5 range for 2023 running backs, I feel like can flip in any kind of way. So get it at 210, I felt like it's a great value. Of course, I couldn't get your boy Braylon Allen. He went super early, still super hyped. And then, I don't know, something something was off about the second round because this is where we start seeing some just crazy right field picks out of nowhere. Devon Achane.
1: Yeah, who, who I know we, we
0: talked about him.
1: Exactly, yeah. We, we talked about him, and so it was seeing him in that middle of the second round is another one where if that's his consensus value, I'm out on.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless nice. I already
1: have him, then I'm trading that, That's a sell.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am going to say, if you can fetch even a second in a Debbie depleted for the dude, I'm willing to take it. Because I just, like I've said it before, I'm on record. I don't see the size being worth it. And then the other one, I know, big Alabama boy yourself, but Ajayi Hall over the guy that I think is Alabama's number one receiver. I didn't understand that either.
1: Him over Marvin Harrison Jr. as well is something I don't understand.
0: Hey, I'm not complaining because bringing that up in the third (laughs) round, like I've been saying, like I'm really stressing on getting the hits right for running backs and receivers because they're easier to project. Quarterbacks, there's a lot right there mentally that we can't get a hold of that they've got to be able to process so much more of the field and what's going on, the lead, the offense. So Marvin Harrison jr. Falling all the way to three three. I think me and you both had him as our receiver three in our rankings. And here yeah. he is, man. He went as receiver eight. I'll say I was extremely excited about that. And Jermaine Burton went right behind him at receiver nine at three four. A little upset, but I mean, I get it. It is what it is on that part because here we are with Brock Bowers, the number two tight end, or possibly number one tied in, Debbie, all the way back here at 306. Do you remember where he went in our Debbie mock without looking it up real quick?
1: Oh, God, he was a second-round pick in our Debbie. I, or he was he was either end of the first or beginning of the second.
0: So Brock Bowers was the 205 oh, okay, yeah, so in our mock. there. So, for the fact that he went almost a full round behind that, it just it speaks to the value that he is. Now, I will say, Donovan Edwards, I think you hit that perfectly for us right there in our mock draft talking him up last time because, man, he went at 302, and he was the other guy I was considering right there at the first third-round pick I had. I think he was a fantastic value. I easily would have taken him over Kendall, Minton, Kendall Milton and, and Jace McClellan.
1: McClellan. Yeah.
0: So – the fact that he made it to 302, that dude got a great stealer right there at a value pick. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but the guy that's 305 through 308 besides my Brock Bowers pick, that dude is loading up on Debbie, and hey, he has committed to all of 2025.
1: Yeah, you Almost know,
0: I, every one of his picks.
1: You know, I, I, I like the Branson Robinson pick. Just from what we've seen from Branson Robinson size-wise, I mean, the dude is an absolute unit. Mm -hmm. He's a unit. I I would have taken him over Jace McClellan. I think the Jace McClellan pick, you know, being an Alabama fan, watching what I've seen, I just don't see McClellan as. Apparently, if this is, again, the consensus, Debbie, which I probably isn't, but I just. Yeah, I I don't see that at all. Um, Jace McClellan, obviously, with Jameer Gibbs being Alabama, isn't even the best running back on his own team. So seeing him taken in the beginning of the third, seeing him take, being taken over Donovan Edwards, Branson Robinson, Raheem Sanders as well is just something that I do not agree with.
0: Yeah, it, it blew my mind too. But I will say, you, speaking about Branson Robinson, I think I would have been right there at the point where I'm starting to consider him versus Donovan Edwards.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm just back and forth in those two. Robinson has a size. He's going to the right school that – Produces those NFL running backs. <laughs> Edwards just seems a little bit more proven when it comes to versatility. I think that's around the point I would start considering him if it's starting from a fresh startup, end of the second, start of the third, when it comes to our first 2025 running back. I would probably take him ahead of Nick Nicholas Singleton from Penn State and Jaden Blue, especially Jaden Blue. We know he's gonna have to wait a year before Bijan's gone. I think you could have got him later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Jaden Blue, yeah, with the hype around Bojan Robinson, which is obviously warranted. You know, he's more of a – to me, he seems more of the the under-the-radar type of running back, somebody who's definitely going to be good. But being a 2025, not a lot of people in Debbie, whether they're new. The majority of what it seems like to me of those in Debbie are those who are trying to get into it and then with each draft and then you have the few who have been into it. Um, He just seems like somebody that he probably could have taken later, probably in the fourth round, honestly.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so kind of wrapping back around the strategy. At what point are you willing to go back a year for a draft class because you think that the guy is going to be a better talent in his class versus, for example, say instead of taking Sean Tucker as RB five in the twenty twenty three class, taking a shot at uh, Will Shipley or Donovan Edwards at RB three, RB four, the twenty twenty four class. So, like, what point does it make sense for you to go back a year for the prospect?
1: Uh, it all depends on my depth, the depth that I have at the time for the NFL level. If, okay. if I if I'm stacked at the running back position, it's something that definitely you know if, if I like a 20 tw- or a 2024 guy over a 2023 guy, that's where I'll take it. Um, if, if they're as close in the rankings as you know, let's say Will Shipley and Sean Tucker, um, and I'm I have an RB one, RB two at the NFL. You know, let's say I got JT and JK Dobbins, I'll I'll take the Sean Tucker over that. But if my, first three, four, if my first three, four—if my first three or thir- first three of the five or so draft picks in the startup are running backs, I'll, I'd feel comfortable taking Will Shipley over Sean Tucker there.
0: Okay, so going for the longevity approach at each position is your kind of your strategy. Yeah, I like that. I said it's not bad. I Always got to work that pipeline. I mean, that's what Debbie is. I mean, you saw me put it in the chat. Debbie is just an expanded taxi squad. So you always want to have a little bit of talent coming in each year to keep boosting your chances, keep going for that NFL level. One position, I don't know if I keep feeding that pipeline, tight end. Oh, Dude, yeah. tight end is a freaking wasteland when it comes to the college landscape. And I yeah. mean, the next tight end taken after Bowers, I don't even understand why that guy went. I don't think he's in our rankings. Like, I think I have him as a receiver because that's more what less what he plays. Jack Beck from LSU. I know he's a 2024 pick. I think I've got him wrote down as a receiver. He came in as a tight end, but, dude, he played all his reps, I believe, outside.
1: Yeah, I just – after those first two with Bowers and Mayer, it's just I'm not touching tight end for quite some time. I mean, mean, just looking, you know, you have Michael Triggs and Cameron Latu who both went at the back end of the seventh round. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's pretty. Those are the other two that I probably have on my radar. And around then, you know, looking at who went after them, probably more keen and more like, okay, yeah, I'll take a stab at tight end here type of situation.
0: Yeah, I felt like you neglected it in the original NFL startup. You said, forget it. I'm going to go for like tight ends 10 through 15 in the NFL level. Maybe taking a shot on one of those guys late makes sense. I mean, I'd even be willing to venture out. There's a couple others I think I'd be willing to take a shot at. I mean, I know one that we mentioned last time that I'm kind of a big fan on, Stanford's Benjamin Urosek. Mm -hmm. He showed out. And, I mean, at this level, he's one of the best remaining college tight ends that produced last year. But I don't know, man. I think I would just avoid it for Debbie situations. I think I'd throw a 2022 third or 2022 fourth at this tight end class. It is way better in comparison.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at the tight ends too, you know, you see, you're seeing Jack Beck from LSU, who you were talking about a little bit, Darnell Washington from Georgia, and then that's when you have Michael Triggs and Cameron Lotu and it kind of just, I just noticed that there's no Gavin Bartholomew, who we both have at the top end of our tier two rankings, and yeah. there's no Sam Laporta as well.
0: And see so that that was my thought process. I already had three NFL good tight ends. I have Schultz. I have Patty uh, Pat Fryermuth. And then I also had Irv Smith after I took Bowers. I said, it's not worth the Debbie dart throw at figuring out who's going to be the next best tight end. I'm just going to wait till next year or the year after that, whenever I actually feel like I need a tight end to then just grab the next rookie that ends up declaring that might be Laporta next year. But then again, it might also somehow Jaleel Billingsley come back next year and be the number two tight end. Like there's just too much risk I just feel like you're just kind of wasting your pick. Like, why not invest it into a receiver or running back that you can better project?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a risk-reward standpoint, Debbie, and everything is going to have a high risk. You just have to look for, at that time of picking, who's going to have the highest reward and highest return on value. And tight end, it, it's very, very, very rare that a tight end is going to have a higher reward value than a wide receiver or running back, especially in those kind of dark throat situations.
0: Yeah even in half-point PPR, that's exactly the route I'm going to go. I'm going to focus on those receivers or those running backs. So I know I feel like I may have reached in the fourth round on C.J. Williams. I know I kind of talked about him last episode from USC, the 2025 receiver. Mario Williams is officially at USC as well, but I don't know. I like, I like the bill that, that Williams already has coming out of high school, so I'm interested in how that plays. Obviously, we see your man, Tyler Van Dyke, going in the fourth round. So that should give you some hope that people aren't too high on him, which means you don't have to overreach to get your guy. Because, I mean, we saw t- our first 2025 running, well, quarterback, Drew Aller from Penn State, end up going in this round as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Drew Aller and Connor Wigman are going before Tyler Van Dyke, I'm, I'm happy. I, I want Van Dyke to be recognized as, a you know, one of those top QB options in 2023. But at the cost of it, I, I want his cost to stay low as of right now. Until I have all of my shares taken care of of him, I want his cost to stay low. Then his cost could skyrocket, and no matter how high it is, I'm probably
0: holding. Hey, I understand that. All right, so looking at the fourth and the fifth round, I'll give you a second to kind of glance through is there any of these guys that you just felt like, man, I'm not taking in the first 60, 50 players and then vice <sighs> versa. Is there any kind of guys that you're like, I am surprised they even lasted that long outside of, we'll say TVD. Cause we know you would have taken them 101 if you had to, <laughs> maybe not that high, but we know what we're getting to. Um,
1: let's see. I'm trying to look. I'm tr- I kind of like some most of these picks for the most part. Um, there's the obviously Jack Beck going at the 5'9", tight end from LSU, which we touched base on a little bit. Yeah. Um, Spencer Rattler, DJ, DJU, honestly, is somebody that I don't care where he falls. I'm probably not touching. Um, especially in fourth, fifth round when you look like Grayson McCall went after him. I'll take Grayson McCall over DJU as of right now.
0: Yeah, that's what I did too in the draft.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. Kind of, su- kind of surprised to see Will Levis. I, this is a little bit past that fourth, fifth round. Um, surprised to see Will Levis and Hendon Hooker both in the seventh round. Um, I definitely would have taken both over Tyler Buchner personally and Devin Brown in that sixth round. Probably would have taken both over JJ McCarthy, which happened to go in the fifth round as well.
0: All right, All right so talk to me about that. You you mentioned those two quarterbacks. You said you take them over Tyler Buchner or Buchner. He was actually my sixth round pick. So, like, why do you think Levis or Hennon Hooker, which I get it. We just had this discussion, the 2023 potential prospects versus Tyler Buckner or Butner, who should be listed as 2024. That's listed wrong. Why, so, why would you reach on those guys for 2023 versus 2024?
1: You know, I, f- I feel like the 2023 class is so deep. That and I, I've seen a lot of people talking about like it's really top heavy where you have elite talent at the beginning and then it kind of falls off. I it definitely falls off, but I don't think it falls off of a cliff. You know, I think it's more like a like a ledge where it falls off to where you still have really good talent there in the 2023 class. You know, quarterback when, when you look at quarterbacks in the 2023 class, you got Rather, you got DJU, you got Bryce Young, Stroud, um, Anthony Richardson, Jackson, no Jackson Darts 2024. My apologies. Um, I just think, you know, they're going to be really good. I I feel Hendon Hooker had such a good year last year after obviously, you know, less than mediocrity prior that if he has another big year, I I think that he's going to be somebody that a lot of NFL teams can kind of look at and might reach on, Uh, whether he becomes kind of like a Kyle Trask type quarterback where he sits behind somebody and then might get a shot the next year. Um, I just, quarterback is such a... Hard position to project. It, mm-hmm. it is, it, I mean, it is so hard because you have every team obviously has a starting everybody, but it's you have one starting quarterback. That's that's it. You know, you, you don't run a carousel like you might with running back, and then you don't have five different wide receivers that you'll play in rotation. You have one quarterback. So if, if there's a bunch of teams that don't need a quarterback, a lot of these 2023 20, 2024 20, guys are just going to end up being drafted as backups or drafted as projects um i think that there, there's I, I don't think the 2022 class has enough quarterbacks to really justify a lot of these quarterback needy teams to draft but you could see in 2023 you know and I, i'm gonna throw a name out there that i i'm gonna throw a few names out there that i believe will continue to maintain their starting um you know their starting job but you got Tua Tagovailoa down in Miami, you got Jalen Hurts up in Philadelphia, which no matter how you feel about either of those two players, there's obvious question marks around them. Right. But they're not going to be replaced in 2023 or 2022. My apologies. They're, they're not going to be replaced. Then.
0: Yeah. No, if, they got this year to prove it.
1: Exactly. They got this year as a prove it deal. They don't prove it. There's two more spots that open up. You know, you already got the Washington football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think it was their GM just came out and said that if the season started today, it'd be Mason Rudolph as a starter. So you you got already quite a bit of teams that are looking that could use a quarterback. Is there any one of the 2022 class that they'll really that they feel comfortable with? Probably not. You know, you got Malik Willis, who to me is a project quarterback. I think he's somebody who can be really good at the next level. But he's kind of like a Trey Lance to me, to where I think he should sit a year or two or maybe even a few more before taking over a starting job. So that way he can get his fundamentals down because he's got the. He's got the stuff that you can't teach. You know, he's got the rocket arm. He's got the feet. He's got all that stuff, but he's not a great decision maker. So I just believe that in 2023, there's going to be a lot more teams looking for a quarterback possibly. And if that's the case, then you get these a mass amount of quarterbacks drafted to take over a starting role. It's going to be less likely in 2024 that there are a lot of teams looking for a starting quarterback. I can see that those starting quarterbacks who get taken are going to be, you know, the Quinn Ewers, Jackson Darts and stuff like that.
0: Okay. Again, I don't blame you on that one. I thought that was a good, fun little segue just talking about it because for me, Tyler, the reason I went with Notre Dame's new supposed starting quarterback, again, not official, but I like the talent we saw last year. He offered a lot with his legs as well, and he did this as a freshman kind of starting, backing up Jack Cone who I don't think anything more than a day three undrafted pick or undrafted free agent for the NFL draft this season. But there's a lot there already in an established program. He showed it early. I was sitting there really willing to wait that extra year because I feel like he's in a stable environment, whereas Hannon Hooker, Will Levis, like their situations were changing a little bit, especially Levis. Uh, Kentucky just lost I believe their offensive coordinator he just swapped positions to somewhere else so like there is some changes going on we just saw him lose his top weapon Wandell Robinson I mean Butner still got Michael Meyer this year he's got an incoming upcoming guy that I was just talking about a couple weeks ago with you Lorenzo Styles jr and several others I think Notre Dame Notre Dame is starting to finally. Get involved after their freshman year. I'm hoping that continues sophomore, junior year. I just I was more comfortable with the stable situation and the fact that he is kind of that Konami code quarterback. It seems, and he's not a small dude. He's got good size already.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't hate the pick. I just personally would have taken Levis or Hooker over him.
0: Oh yeah, um, I mean, no, it's a good
1: pick. I like Buchanan.
0: I'll say, and it's, it's good to break that down because, like I said, this is all about strategy. What are you coming in? What mindset do you have? And that's why for me, like, I know we still got the rookie draft. I felt more comfortable using the 102 rookie draft to go ahead and get whatever top or second best quarterback comes out of this draft based off landing spots. They're all pretty close for me. I've got four in my top. i got four that I'm really considering. It's just I want to see where they land, how they test, and all of that. Debbie, there's a little bit more risk. So that's why I went with the 2024 guy kind of feeding that pipeline. Like we've been talking about willing to maybe not get the QB five QB six of this class and shoot for possibly the QB three QB two 2024. So that's a good, a little bit. I'm trying to think, let's see, is there anybody else here eighth round or later that just kind of stood out to you? It's like, wow, I didn't think they were that low in value. Um, because this was a deep debut draft. I, w- I wasn't expecting it, but, man, I loved all 10 rounds of it.
1: Um, Zay Flowers, um, I like that you grabbed him. I just – I remember your
0: advice. I remember.
1: Seeing to him, se- him go <laughs> the eighth round, it, it wasn't even like a, wow, why did he fall that for? It was like a, am I too high on him? So it's definitely something where I, I need to go back and continue to watch film and look at things and be like, okay, maybe I am too high on him. Maybe I do need to drop him down a bit so that way I can level it out. Um, He's probably the biggest one. Um, Jaden Daniels, seeing him go – obviously, with things going on with what happened, um, seeing him go that late was kind of surprising just because he's another one of those Konami code quarterbacks. Um, But his his weight is definitely something of a concern.
0: I mean, I would even put Field Jerkovic right there. Mm -hmm. Boston College, same round. I prefer – that guy over Jaden Daniels myself, so I was definitely surprised to see both of them available in the 10th. I tried and tried and tried to trade with this dude. He wouldn't let me. So that's why I ended up taking the Jaden Reed two picks later.
1: Yeah, and then I I think Jalen Berger as well in the 10th round. Mm -hmm. Um, Really surprising just because I think he has really good talent um, that will translate well into the next level. So, But I mean, looking at these later rounds, it's like this brings up another point, a completely unrelated topic point, but going through, you know, a Debbie startup that I'm about to start, well, situation there that actually made that whole draft become a bust. Um, But a, a lot of the, the um I'm trying to think, not the GM, obviously, but technically the GM of the league, I just can't even, the commissioner, there we go, wanted to do only two rounds of Debbie startup, which really left me kind of, puzzled because I was like, well, why? That leaves a lot of talent on there. And He was talking about the rookie draft. But seeing these, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round, you know, picks, there's a lot of talent on the board still.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, you still got Kamar Wheaton on the list in the 8th round. He went there. Emmanuel Henderson, Zay Flowers, Trevor Etienne, um, Eric Gray went in the ninth. Uh phew. God, I mean, just, yeah, looking at all these, and then you have the Jaden Daniels to fill, uh, yeah, Uh, Jerkovic, Jalen Berger, even Travis Dye, really. Um, That's someone we haven't really talked about that I'm surprised to kind of see him go that late. He's somebody I actually really like. Age is definitely a concern for him. I I think he's coming. I think he's already – this is going to be his fourth year? No, third Uh, year. I
0: believe – no, he's an older prospect. He's coming over from Oregon. Yeah. Uh, the reason I was a personally avoiding Travis Dye is, like, we didn't even see uh, the new guy getting tr- that just recruited over to uh, USC. But it's a system, and I mean, I kept telling these guys in this in this uh, chat, I was like, I'm not touching some of these dudes based off the system we're in, they're in, or I'm all over it because I believe in the system. And I mean, it's just thinking back on it, what's the best running back that Lincoln Riley's ever featured? I couldn't really come up with a good one. I get it. Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray kind of were in a split this year. We'll see how Kennedy Brooks does at the NFL level, but I'm not super optimistic. But then uh, you bring in the guy I was referring to earlier, Raleigh Brown, also another smaller dude. How many touches is he going to get? I just – I'd rather take the throws at the receivers for Lincoln Riley than I would the running backs. So – he has a name watched late but there is my personal hesitation with him.
1: Yeah, so yeah, Travis Die looking at it. Obviously 2020 doesn't count towards your eligibility. Nope. 2021 was his fourth year playing. Hmm. Now, he's gotten better every single year and last year he had 211 attempts go for 1200 yards, almost 1300 yards, 16 touchdowns. I I personally thought I would declare for the draft. I thought Makes it was, sense. it was, yeah, he was draft eligible. I thought he would have definitely declared for the draft. I personally like him, you know, growing up and living in Eugene. I, I watch a lot of the Oregon games and he's somebody who really stood out to me. Um, so seeing him come back and then transfer to USC, like you're saying, Lincoln Riley system and offense is just something that I could see why he would drop in the draft. I just didn't think he would drop that far.
0: Yeah, it was definitely eye opening. So Kind of rotating a little bit. I know we're talking about all all this Debbie startup. We've we've got to put it to the test, man. We got to get back out our own Debbie mock. We've got to keep it going. So we did the first two rounds already. Looking back on it, I will say a personal regret of mine. Looks like Sean Tucker. I could have waited just a second on in the first, but I reached. I got my guy. Him versus Zachary Evans at two or three. I probably could have swapped those around and been fine. Um. Looking on the first and second round, and now comparing it to that Debbie startup that I just did, is there anybody you think was too much of a reach right there for you?
1: Um, Van Dyke, Van Dyke was definitely a reach there at the two six. Um, looking at it, possibly Brock Bowers. I mean, that was your pick, but I mean, of course, every every draft's going to be different. Oh yeah.
0: Um.
1: Other than that, no, I I think everything. I'm Marvin Harrison, maybe.
0: Maybe. Heck, I mean, he just went the receiver eight. So, yeah. I'll say it was kind of fun putting that to the test and comparing it back to what we've already done. So, that leaves us. We got the 301 right now. We're back up on that. Uh, I really hate it because I was thinking back on it. I was like, man, I could really, really enjoy going for Branson Robinson right here, but I already took that dude. (laughs) So, I think the direction I kind of thought about it, I want to lean for this first pick in our third round, I think I'm going to take the other 2025 running back that I'm super excited about, Nicholas Singleton, going to Penn State. He's much more of an outside, kind of gets get to the edge, use the speed kind of dude. But there's a lot to like there, and we know that if we got to bet on any place to develop a running back, Penn State's not a bad place to look into. So I think 301, that's going to be my pick. Give you a moment, kind of let you look over it. Who do you think you're going to take over at the 302?
1: Um, You know, I think I'm going to go your guy, someone that you really like. I oh, don't do it. Probably, I, you probably know who this is. I'm just going to drop it, see if that's who you're thinking of.
0: Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. the other thing I was thinking.
1: Yep, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. Uh. Somebody I'm looking forward to grabbing in the third round of Divvy Drafts, uh, possibly even fourth, really. Uh, I think in your draft, if I'm not mistaken.
0: He should be a big one. Oh, he,
1: he went in the second in your uh, draft.
0: Oh, did he? Oh, wait, I'm talking about somebody else. Yes, I was He was hyped last year. Deservedly so.
1: Yeah, deservedly so. At uh, second, I'd probably still take him in the second round. Uh, depending on who's on the board wide receiver-wise or, you know, positional needs or, you know, kind of how I talked about my draft strategy.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, I'm avoiding any tight end, not named Brock Bowers, not named Michael Meyer. Quarterbacks, at this point, we've kind of reached all the quarterbacks that I would be willing to take and even a shot at. So as I'm looking over who's available, I think next up for me, oof. I think I'm going to go back and I'm going to reach on Ohio State kind of guy. I mean, we know that they know how to develop their receivers. I'm going to just take a chance. I know there's a big old article out about how receivers who don't produce anything in the first year of college, they're major, major red flags. But I think Amika Buka, receiver for the Ohio State, I think he's going to break that trend for us. It's going to yeah. be him and Marvin Harrison, Jr., and JSN this year, and then after that, we're going to see Marvin Harrison Jr. and Amika Buka, so top two guys.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, God. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to go quarterback here. I, I feel like all the kind of those top one and two tiers are already gone, and then there's that kind of that ledge I talked about, even possibly at this point, kind of a mm-hmm. cliff where it falls off at. Uh, running back is – I, I think – God, I'm just going to – I'm going to go Travante Citizen. You know, like you you mentioned, you know, more of a run-first type of offense is what Michigan has kind of seen over these past few years. Miami grabs their offensive coordinator to be the offensive coordinator. He's really the only running back in that room that I think has any special sort of talent. Uh, so given that now the system, hoping
0: not bad, man. I like it. I kind of kind of wish I hadn't talked him up so much. If you're going to take him there on me, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great pick, uh, man. I was looking it over. I kind of want to keep the running back trend going. There's a couple here that I really like still at face value. I think the one I'm going to go for though at this point is a dude I was kind of hoping he would declare this year, Zach Charbonnet.
1: That was that was the other one I was thinking of too. There we go. It, it was it was between Citizen and Charbonnet.
0: And see, this is a good process because Citizen a couple of weeks ago was not that high for me. So the fact that I'm start I I don't even blame you for picking him there shows. The 2025 class sometimes is worth taking a good chance at one of those bigger running backs compared to waiting on maybe the RB6 for 2023.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to keep the running back train going again. Uh, Just just keep it moving. (laughs) Um, There's two I'm thinking of here. There's a 2024 and a 2025. I got to stick to my guns here despite him leaving. And so now you probably already know who it is. Yep, I'm, I'm like grab yep. Kamar Wheaton here. I I I believe in the talent. I'm thousand percent in on Wheaton wherever he goes based on talent alone. I had him up there with uh Henderson for the twenty twenty four class. Twenty twenty-three class, sorry. Um so yeah. No, twenty twenty four, I was right.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty
1: four. I was right, I was right the first time I'm gonna stop second guessing myself.
0: I'd say it'd be nice to see him land somewhere first. I've heard SMU is going to be a potential spot for him, among others. I don't know if I would have taken him that early, but I understand at the end of the day you got to get your guy that you believe in the most. And part of it is also which athletic profile fits the best. And we know the dude's an athlete. So I think I want to mix it up. There's a receiver here that I saw fall until the sixth round of that startup I did. I don't think his talent's that bad. I like the value that he could offer at the position. Plus, he's not a small dude. He just he goes to a small school that we don't like, or most people don't like it seems like at Maryland. So, Rakeem Jarrett, receiver over at Maryland. Dude's produced since his freshman year. He's shown out, I think, at the third round, 307. That's a great time to go get your guy for somebody yeah, like that,
1: that. So, if I didn't keep the running back train going, it was between Jarrett and Mario Williams. Me if I if I went wide receiver there those were the two I was eyeing. You take Jarrett that leaves that makes it an easy choice for me so I'm gonna go Mario Williams transferring down to USC playing alongside Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley again. It, it's his show. He is the next wide receiver gonna come out of USC. You know we had Michael Pittman we got Drake London this year I think Mario Williams is gonna be he's gonna keep that trend going.
0: Oh yeah I'll well, say so, nothing wrong with that pick. We would like to see him used a little bit differently I think instead of just running the close crossers line of scrimmage use him he's a weapon man put him all over the field put him targets at every level of the field I think they would benefit from it that's a good pick me we're talking about schemes what makes the most sense where do guys fit in I think I'm gonna have to go back to a freshman this year or he was a freshman this year did fantastic for Kansas was running super well he was already involved majorly for a program that has a coach that loves to feature a single running back. 2024 guy, Devin Neal. He's going to end up being my 309. A 2024 class running backs. It's looking pretty nice right now, man.
1: Yeah, I like that one. I like Devin Neal.
0: Um, okay,
1: let's see. So I could go running back here. You could. And I've got – I've got a few in mind I could grab. Um, God, there's there's a, I, there's still quite a bit of running backs left that I would take here. But wide, yeah, wide receiver is so deep. Running back isn't. I think I'm just gonna continue to follow the trend on stealing your thunder.
0: <laughs> go for it.
1: Um, no, I As we said
0: last four. section, man. Focus on the skill players that have a better hit rate. You go
1: 2024. I go 2024. I'm going to go Raheem Sanders out
0: of Arkansas. I like it. Another freshman that was able to produce. Man, it was a big factor in the Notion database. I don't know if you've had much chance to look at it recently. Yeah. But Raheem Sanders, I think, is going to be able to checkmark the box next year on getting an early amount of involvement in the game. We already saw him produce this year. What I'm normally looking for is their freshman or sophomore year them able to put up at least a 1,000 scrimmage yards. Uh, I think Sanders is about to take over that backfield. The only thing he's got to worry about is he does have a running quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, going to steal a couple of those looks from him. Ooh. Good
1: size, though, which, which which I like in my running backs. Oh, you know, 6'2", 225. Two yeah, fantastic size. Fantastic. Huge size. See what his 40 time is whenever he decides to declare.
0: Well, it's got to be pretty good because I believe his name is Rocket. Sanders. True, yeah. And on so. film,
1: he does look fast. He looks quick. You add speed and agility to that type of size, you have a well rounded running back right They're you know, not taking into consideration any type of receiving abilities. But mm-hmm. I mean, he, aver- he averaged 10 yards of reception last year on only 11 receptions, topped 100 yards.
0: Oh, yeah. So, sitting there got me thinking. I don't see his name currently listed, so I'm just going to add him in there real quick. CJ Williams over there. Still, we already hit him. I've discussed it. going to my next dude up. Some reason not. Let me put him in real quick. So, 311. CJ Williams, USC's 2025 receiver. The size, the system. I like him taking him as my first receiver for 2025. Go ahead and get that off the board at 311.
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> Gonna do, I think I'm going to do, I think right here, I just got to make sure he hasn't been taken. I don't see why he would at this point. He has not. I'm going to do the boy from Sugarland, Texas. I only know where he's from. I don't know actually why I know where he's from, but Parker Washington. Oh, wait, you just, whoops. That is at the 311. I just put him at the 311. <laughs> so I'm just going to do that real quick. Johnson, there we go. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'll like, say, I got you. We got it Out of Penn
1: State, you know, there's a lot of, surprisingly, there's a lot of hype around Dotson uh, from NFL Twitter. Not even fantasy Twitter that I've seen, and, and but the NFL Twitter that I'm around that isn't really fantasy is mostly Miami Dolphins Twitter, uh, which is the most toxic place on Earth. Uh, That places Area 51, essentially. But there's been a lot of talk about Dotson. But honestly, I was more intrigued and more impressed with Parker Washington this last year than I was Dotson.
0: Yeah, Washington showed out very well against Dotson. Uh, I think he's kind of a lower end 2023 guy, but I think he's already firmly in that top eight at the position next year. The fact that he was keeping pace with Dotson, who I consider a top 10 prospect at his position going into 2022, it speaks a lot to the talent. It's already there. I'm really hoping he keeps putting up this year. I think it's going to be a little dependent on the quarterback situation, but I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping with his talent, he's able to come out 2023 and just be able to be one of those top eight guys for the class. Uh, real quickly, let me go back over the third round, and then we'll jump into – let's do one more round real quick. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go ahead and start thinking about your guy. Let me put him in. I'll go back over him in a seconds so that at least you know who I got next. Uh, 301, Nicholas Singleton, running back from Penn State, 2025. He's about to be a freshman. Quentin Johnson, receiver for TCU at 302. Um, hopefully he's a 2023 junior this year. Mika Buka, receiver for Ohio State, 2024 prospect. Trevante Citizen, uh, running back, like I said earlier, Miami, 2025 class. Zach Charbonnet, running back for UCLA. Hopefully he actually declares in 2023. Kamar Wheaton, running back, currently in the transfer portal, has a lot of talent, should be in the 2024 class if he's able to put a couple years of film together. Rakeem Jarrett, receiver, junior for Maryland, 2023. Mario Williams, 2024 receiver for USC. Devin Neal, running back, Kansas, 2024 class. Raheem Sanders, same class, running back, except for he's for Arkansas. CJ Williams, USC, 25 receiver. Parker Washington, receiver Penn State, also should be the 2023 class. So we're seeing a lot of the 2023 guys still going out there. Uh, 401 already went ahead and added a second ago, continue that receiver kind of push that we got going here. Josh Downs, receiver for UNC, he's a little bit smaller, but, man, he looked fantastic. Sam Howell's only weapon this year. I'm hoping he gets a quarterback that's able to at least keep him usable. But at the price of the 401, it's definitely worth taking a chance at a guy who could still be in the top ten in his position next year. So I'm thinking second-round rookie draft capital right now.
1: Yeah, that's – that's a good pick. That's who I wanted to go there. Um, you know, I I think with the departure of Burton and the departure of Pickens, I think I'm gonna go with Donnie Mitchell here. Ooh. I, I, I like the talent. Only it was only a freshman, only a freshman last year. I'm I'm really hoping that you know quarterback position can get more fine-tuned this upcoming year rather than having to deal with the kind of carousel he had to deal with last year. But, yeah, I I like the talent. um, So, I'm fine with going to Donnie Mitchell there in the beginning of the fourth. I I feel like that's a good value, especially when you think about one of those big SEC teams kind of always producing good level talent, whether it's at, you know, a skill position, uh, whether it's running back or wide receiver, he's someone who can be developed into a stud running or wide receiver.
0: Yeah, don't blame you. It's good to go ahead and get Georgia's receiver too, you know, behind Bowers. (laughs) But, yeah, I I went ahead and swapped it. I know we just talked about this dude earlier, 403, Jaden Blue, running back from Texas. The dude's had a lot of comps while he was in high school. He's got size. Uh, His comps were up there. Jonathan Taylor type prospects, what they said. He's not playing much this year. He'll be the backup behind P. Probably get some carries in, like, the big blowout games. But for the fourth round, if we can get the next running back that steps into that Texas offense – that's going to stay with Quinn Ewers for another year, at least Xavier Worthy, at least another year after that. Like, there's potential there for him to quickly gain value. So, four or three, I don't mind. Like I said, earlier in the third, there's a couple of running backs in that other mock I was willing to take him over. This mock, I don't see another running back in that class I'm willing to take him over. Or take over him.
1: Because I, I want to break the whole skill position thing we're going and go with the quarterback here. But who? But I – yeah, if, if I win a quarterback, it'd be Hendon Hooker, but my I, I do have reserves about Hooker no matter how much I like him. You know, he only has one year under mm-hmm. his belt. Does he really warrant a high draft capital in Debbie draft? No. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go Spencer Rattler who has the skills, but, again, there, there, there's something about every quarterback left that just gives me reserves.
0: And See, that's why all those type of quarterbacks, for the most part, there's one I'm thinking of I'm willing to take. Everybody else at this point, if it's only a four-round debut draft, people, let's just wait till they're rookies. Let's see where they get drafted, and then you know what you're getting.
1: I'm, I'm going to keep going wide receiver here. I'm, I'm going to go with my guy.
0: Zay Flowers.
1: Know, Zay Flowers. I, I've toned it down on him after looking at the draft board that you just did. Um, <laughs> I feel like the fourth round is a really good spot for him personally. You know, I, I'd take him in the fourth round. Uh, I would take him before I'm, I'm looking at a lot of these. God, it's kind of funny. Donnie Mitchell in the sixth round of your draft at the very back of it. I'll, I'll reach on him. You know, you got Zay Flowers in the eighth round. I'd
0: take him in the fourth. Yeah, I'm about to say, everybody drafts differently, prioritize things differently. Like I said, there was one team he had 20 Yeah, twenty draft picks. Most of his group was twenty twenty five. So we have to be aware. It's only one draft we looked at. Uh, 405 ended up taking that one other quarterback I said I was willing to take a shot on. I did not take him in the first, so that's fine by me. Anthony Richardson, quarterback right now for Florida. The talent's there. I like it. He does seem very raw, but he is technically eligible for 2023. I would think he's probably more of a 2024 guy myself. He should have a chance to actually lead an offense that can feature his running skills. Florida does a very good job with the running game, so we'll see what happens there, but – if they can use his legs to his advantage it could further showcase how good of an athlete he is and hopefully that continues to develop as a quarterback as well
1: oh god <sighs> do i want to copy and go quarterback here absolutely not um <laughs> let's see just i'm i'm gonna take Ooh, do we,
0: mm, mm,
1: yeah i'm still going wide receiver i just that's fine Wide receiver is really, honestly, a lot easier to hit than running back is, in my opinion. A um, lot more opportunity at the next level. So, I'm, I'm going to go with J.E. Hall. Ooh, he he, okay. he, set, he stepped up when his number was called. You know, I, I honestly thought it was going to be um, Ja'Cory Brooks, who was really yeah. the one that kind of stepped up. Um, but we didn't see much from either. I'm like, maybe actually, oh, my God, did I just get that mixed up? I think I might have gotten it mixed up.
0: Jay Hall. Definitely He's, got to mixed up. He didn't really play up nah. until the <laughs> championship. You got time if you want to change it. I'm still scrolling to find my guy, which um, I don't see him, so I'm having to add him in real quick.
1: No, you know I'm gonna stick with Jay Hall. Um I liked him coming out of high school more than Jagori Brooks. Um both are I, I think both are gonna be really good at the next level, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it out. I I made the I, I mixed him up. <laughs> it's funny how I'm the one who mixes up the two Alabama wide receivers that I should know definitely much more about. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stick
0: Yeah, should definitely definitely <laughs> got to get that fixed for you right there. So I was just talking about Florida. They brought in the, the coach that made Elijah Mitchell such a thing for me, which I definitely appreciate. Uh, his scheme is very good for displaying the run game. So, of course, I thought back to, okay, system, who fits at the best – I'm willing to bet on the Recruit 2025 Trevor Etienne. Yes, this is Travis Etienne's little brother. He is much bigger, though. He's already listed at 210 pounds. Uh, I've heard is just as good an athlete. When it comes to the fourth round at this point, for only a four-round draft, I'm willing to stretch it out and let's see if he can raise his stock for the 2025 class. And if it's somebody I don't want to get, I feel like I can still flip him for a third next year.
1: Okay, I need to take a running back here. I'm going on this <laughs> wide receiver, just this hall of wide receivers. Um, you know, I'm gonna go the other running back out of Michigan here. I'm gonna go Blake Crum, Crum, okay. however you pronounce his last name.
0: He had, a, Forum, he had,
1: a, yeah, he had a really good 2021. He was a freshman during the. Uh, you know, non-eligibility, excuse me, non-eligibility season. Um, He's a little bit on the shorter side, but he's not, he's a bigger body type running back, 5'8", 200 pounds, had 952 yards on only 144 attempts, 11 touchdowns. That's a 6.6 average on the yards, Uh, 24 receptions. I I, I like the talent there. I think him and um, Donovan are both going to be like a one-two, a really good one-two punch.
0: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're not the only that loves him. I've seen some big hype for him before. Like you said, though, he is kind of on the smaller side. He's 5'8", 200 pounds. He runs pretty big. So up next, 409. I was kind of thinking about it. There is a running back I still care for, Israel. Avinaconda, I believe, from Pittsburgh, 5'11", 215. So he has that size. If we think back to this past year, he actually has a pretty decent uh, production. He was a sophomore. But for the 2021 year, he only got 123 carries, but 651 yards, seven touchdowns. And the thing I like to see is he had 24 catches for almost another 200 yards. So, like, he was staying involved in Pitt's really amazing season. We've got a now a quarterback downgrade. We could see them lean on the running back just a little bit more this year. And if it's if it's Israel versus the other two, Israel showcased himself. He has much more productive with everything he did. I'm hoping that continues on to this year. So, 409, we'll take a stab at another potential 2023-type running back.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go quarterback here. I'm going to go Hendon Hooker. Okay. I, I'm comfortable taking – obviously, you know, it. again, as we go through this, it all depends on how I'm situated, you know, draft picks before this Have I taken Debbie quarterbacks before this one? What's my quarterback situation at the NFL level? Like, do I have, you know, if it's a super flex league like this is, do I have three quality starters and then a few Debbie people, Debbie quarterbacks? Do I got my guy, you know, Tyler Van Dyke and stuff? Probably personally wouldn't take him, but I feel like this is kind of the area where a quarterback needy team would take a stab on him. Yeah. same with your next pick. I, I think that's a really good that, – that, it was between these two, but I just like Hooker a little bit more.
0: Yeah, so whereas you went Hooker with the known SEC team, I think Grayson McCall, he's got the one thing Hooker doesn't have, which is multiple years of leadership and showing what kind of talent the Grayson McCall can be. So for the 2023, if it's the fourth, 4.11 at this point, you got one last pick in the draft. I mean, the 2023 class is pretty – Pretty unknown after Bryce Young and CJ Shroud. It could be McCall, Richardson, Hooker, Rattler, Van Dyke, Levis, maybe DJ U. I mean, heck, even Dylan Gabriel, Phil Jerkovic, and the list keeps going. But McCall seems like that next small school prospect that does enough with his legs and also has some talent with his arm. It's worth a shot at the end of a Debbie draft like the
1: 4'11". Right here. Um
0: closing it out for us
1: i'm gonna take you know i'm do we have yeah we have him what? do we have him right is he 2020 i think he's 2025 is he not who, he
0: is 2024 got.
1: emmanuel henderson maybe he is 20
0: Emmanuel henderson is 2025 okay
1: i have he's just not coming in college yeah i have him oh, I, I had him messed up i had him for 2024 i was sitting there i was like i'm pretty sure he wasn't on the team last year <laughs> um yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Emmanuel Hunt. I'm going to top it off with a 2025 guy, one of the more unknowns. Uh, coming in at Alabama, obviously, next year is going to be the Jameer Gibbs show. But after that, with Kamar Wheaton being gone, it is completely blown wide open for the running back room. And everyone should be familiar with a team like Alabama, where a lot of these players, whether you're running back, you know, quarterback, something like that, you're not going to get a shot right away. They have so much talent coming in and going out that it might take a few years or a year or something like that for you to get your shot. Obviously, Kamar Wheaton came in at the wrong time because Jameer Gibbs ends up transferring, and now he's most definitely behind him no matter how talented he is. Talented he is. Kamar Wheaton didn't get a shot last year because I, I know uh, Nick Saban talked about him having an injury early in the year. That kept him out.
0: I believe it was a ACL injury myself. Yeah, but... I, I
1: think it was ACL. Um, But, you know, Emmanuel Henderson comes in. Sits behind Jameer Gibbs for a year. Maybe sees a little bit of toting the rock. I just don't think that other than Gibbs, the running backs ahead of him and McClellan, and I'm honestly drawing a blank because I just – Oh, Trey Sanders. I don't Trey like, Sanders. Yeah, I don't like Trey Sanders at all. Um, Quite honestly, I think Trey Sanders is not a great running back. I don't think he'll translate to the NFL at all, Um, which is why I'm comfortable taking a 2025 unknown guy right here at running back, especially when you're going at, into the university that – I don't care what anybody says. This is RBU.
0: <laughs> so this let me clarify RBU. real quick. Uh, Wheaton actually had a meniscus injury mm. uh, back in high school. He did have an ankle injury as well. But overall, I get where you're coming from. I would say watch out for Roydell Williams. Yeah, he seems that's... like a very very sleeper type Alabama guy. But their draft, well, the recruit pedigree, it does make sense. Go Henderson here. He's a little bit smaller for me, but at this point, I mean. Pretty much the same can be said for most of these guys. So, real quick, chance. Think of three guys that you may have considered here, right here at the start of a fifth round, if there was a fifth round. So maybe, maybe somebody's dealing with a Debbie depleted league, small Debbie depleted league. Who would be a couple names that you would recommend for people if they had a couple more draft picks?
1: Okay. Um. You know, honestly, I I would, I would consider Spencer Rattler if you're Q, our QB needy. Okay. He, he, the talent is there. It just all comes down to attitude and leadership, which mm-hmm. are obviously two huge things. No one wants someone who's uncoachable. Um, it didn't come out that he was uncoachable, but he just didn't seem like a good teammate, which kind of correlates with that. You know, if you're not a good teammate, coaches aren't going to want to coach you regardless because it's team first. Um, let's see. Right here, I might be... God, oh, no. I was going to say Devin Acheney just because the talent's there, but the size just holds him back in my opinion. Um, looking at running, Muhammad Ibrahim, yeah, quite honestly, coming off the injury, he, he's one of those dart throws where he's got a lot of talent, but the injury concerns are obviously very viable. Um, Dante Dimas Jr. is another one I'd consider. There's always a lot of wide receivers. Um, but Jacory Brooks is another one, you know, we talked about Ajayi Hall and then Jacory Brooks out of Alabama. Um, Chris Tyree, Bo Collins. Bo Collins is someone I actually would probably go here personally. He'd probably be my first pick.
0: The uh, Clemson receiver? Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful because there's also a Dakari Collins receiver for Clemson as well. So right. they are not apparently related as far as they know. So – So I kind of found that interesting. I think another one I was considering as well would be like Marvin Mims. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma receiver. Kind of had a little bit of a down year. Maybe he turns around this year, but worth the chance at this point type of drafts. Uh, Man, you hit a lot of the ones I was going to mention. If you're looking for a quarterback also, there's a chance that if you think you know which 2025 quarterback's the best, they're still available at this point. Uh, For example, Drew Aller. Or Texas A&M's uh, Connor Weichman I don't know if there's a lot of running backs, kind of like you hit on that. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable reaching up here too much for. But there's a couple names, such as like Eric Gray, if you believe in the Oklahoma system being able to better feature him, kind of like the uh, offensive coordinator did with Arion Ely this last year. There's potentially a name right there. Uh, Jaden Reed. I noticed we didn't have him going. Isaiah Bond for Alabama receiver, mm. 2025 class. He was showing out at the Senior Bowl.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, another 2025 receiver, possibly like Luther Burden. But these are some type of names you might could expect whether you're doing a startup or possibly what's best left available when it comes to W depleted drafts.
1: Um, just to touch, if you're feeling frisky, and I mean super frisky, Gavin <laughs> Bartholomew and Sam Laporta are two names that if I'm if I missed out on Mayer and Bowers and I did not have good depth at the tight end position at the NFL level, you know, let's say I, I, I always have the worst luck with tight ends when it comes to my startup draft. Cause I always aim for those kind of like mid round tight ends, like a Noah Fant. And he always, I'm not even kidding. He gets sniped a pick or two before me every single draft or I get, or I get too cocky and I sit there and I'm like, oh, he'll be here on the next round, and he just gets taken, and then there's a run of tight ends. If you're in a situation like that, I would seriously consider one of those two here as well.
0: Yeah, I to say, there's nothing wrong with that, especially since this was technically tight end premium. It's just, like I said, it, it's, it's tossing dart in a hurricane, hoping you hit the dartboard at this point for them.
1: Yeah, when it, when it comes to tight ends, you have Mayor Bowers, and then there's a Cliff. And you got Gavin, Bartholomew, cliff,
0: and an ocean, Sam. and then yeah, somewhere it's... in the ocean, kind of sinking a little bit. So, those next guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to put those for like the next after, because I, I think Bartholomew and the Porta are a pretty big cliff down. Like, and I mean, like a huge cliff. But then yeah. I think in my tears, you know, we both got Latu and, uh, Johnson, Theo Johnson from Penn State, we got those two in the same tier. But I think once after the Laporta and Bartholomew, that's where you have that major drop-off to where it's like, mm-hmm. mm, I will wait until you know they get drafted at the NFL <laughs> level, use a late rookie dart throw on them if they have a decent landing spot type situation.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, kind of running it long right here for us, guys. We appreciate the listen. Chance, where where can they find us at? Is there anything you're working on? I know there's something you got to bring up real quick.
1: Yeah, so I'm working on, I've started my Debbie prospect profiles. I'm going to be doing quite a bit of them. My first one is my guy, my my Debbie guy. I will never stop pounding the table for him. It's Braylon Allen running back from Wisconsin. Um, We we talked about him a little bit on the podcast, but this is my articles going a lot more in depth to him. You know, his his stats that he put up last year, his athletic profile, his high school background, um, and then his outlook um so that's coming up i got my tyler van dyke one that's in the it's, what do you call it in baseball when you're on deck is it just on deck
0: yep on deck okay, in the, the hole
1: there you go i'm decking in the hole so you got tyler van dyke on deck gotta come up with someone that needs to be in the hole <laughs> but yeah I've got, I've got some articles that i'm putting together you can find me at chance ff that's two ends in the name chance on twitter and you can find andrew at underscore debbie scout
0: yep Man, that was a blast. That'll do it for this episode, guys. So go check out patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. We've also got a counterpart to Fantasy Scouts podcast. And, of course, as always, our website, ffballallday.com, where you're going to be able to check out very soon that Braylon Allen article, among other things. We appreciate y'all coming to listen to the Debbie Talk podcast, a chance myself, as we discuss these names and more, to plan out your championship titles, hopes for the opponents can even imagine.
1: Wait. If you haven't already, check out Andrew Sean Tucker profile article at ffballallday.com. Speaking of the website, if we <laughs> haven't touched base on it, our guy Matt, one of the owners of Fantasy Scouts, spends a lot of quality time revamping the website, both for mobile and desktop, and it is phenomenal.
0: Oh, that's I, amazing.
1: I, I worked in the industry. He I, I told him things I would change. He implemented those changes, implemented changes of his own that I didn't even think of. And it is beautiful. It works so well. So really check out that website. Check out the Sean Tucker article that's been posted. Wait for the Braylon Allen one. And then our guy Sam is also dropping profiles uh, daily as well or weekly. I should say not daily, but check those all out, guys. I mean, they're, you're going to not find information like that anywhere else.
0: Amen to that. Well, that'll do it for this one.